You're welcome. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we had that ba- the acrostic of Baptist, you know, B is for this and so forth. It always bugged me that there was no M in Baptist. There, there needs to be an M in there somewhere. Could put militant Baptist. Militant Baptist or Baptistism <laughs> or something. Um, because ever since I became acquainted with the Baptists uh, at the age of 19 or 18, one of the one of the primary things that made the Baptists distinctive compared to the other groups that I had known is, starts with an M. Anybody want to take a shot at that? Missions. Missions. Um, when I, I grew up in the Presbyterian Church, and, and I think the, the main missions thing that uh, we did was when uh, Angela Davis, who was the head of the Communist Party, got arrested, we helped pay for her defense. Uh, I mean, that, we just had no missions outreach at all. And uh, when I started attending University Baptist, missions was everything. I mean, it, I remember seeing a uh, seeing in a bulletin insert that said it didn't. It said uh, missions isn't a church program; it is the church program. And mi- missions is very, very important, uh, uh, especially in Baptist circles. Uh, we have our church alone has. Many of these, and this isn't even all of the missionaries that we support, but, but missions is really, really important. And, of course, for, there seems to be this gap in formal missions between Paul and, and uh, the, uh, the late 1700s when, when whom came along? Who's the father of modern missions? Anybody know? Let me just back up. Why do you think this huge gap? We've been studying the dark ages and all that. I, well, okay, from the, in the dark ages, when we've well, got from Paul on, the idea of carrying anything out of your local area for a long time was, you know, you, you had, you had each each town and each village was its own island and and didn't have much connection with the rest of the world in any way um, for many many years and then um, you know Catholicism so reigned the Europe that that the common the common person didn't didn't even know anything to say, first of all. And, and you know, I guess I say, I say 1792 is the beginning of, of uh, foreign missions. Really, you know, the Catholics had a huge missions program. They, they always have. Uh, the Jesuits were, were a big missions program. But among Baptists and among Protestants, Two separate organizations, <laughs> two separate groups. There, um, hyper Calvinism really was was a huge problem of people saying you don't need to send missions, you don't need to evangelize, because by golly, if Michael's going to get saved, God will save him. 
And it's a done deal. If, if Amy's going to get saved, God will save her. It's a done deal. It's just got nothing, nothing to do with, with uh, any of that. And in fact, the, the person who I'm, who I'm referring to is, of course, William Carey um, and, uh, from, from Britain. And when he, uh, he was born uh, in 1761. William Carey was, he's from England, he became a, a shoe cobbler. He, he made shoes for a living and repaired shoes for a living. He um, attended in 1799 uh, a church service, a Baptist church service, got saved, and in uh, 1783 got baptized. And immediately God began to put on his heart this idea of taking the gospel Elsewhere, he took a job as a um, as a teacher, and boy, he was a lousy teacher. He was not a good teacher. He um, he had he he had a heart for it, but he had no discipline whatsoever. Just this guy was was not a born teacher in that way. Um, but he loved um, the he loved the Bible. He loved languages. He was really good at languages. And he made for his class a homemade leather globe. And he started looking at the world. And he started looking at where people lived and, and the huge numbers of people. Um, and this became, this became a burden to him. And he really um, was burdened for India. Uh, you probably are well aware that that the United States has a population of about 300 million people. The nation of India today has a population of about 1.3 million people, or 1.3 billion people. Um, at the time that Kerry was alive, the population of India at that time was greater than the population of the United States today. And no Christ, Christian witness at all. Zippo, zilch, none. Um, and, um, but as he went and, you know, went to the, went to the Baptists and said his Baptist church and said, um, you know, I want to, I want to go to India. I want to, I want to be, we need to send this. And he, he wrote a book and these books don't have the name of the book right in front of me, but it was about this long. Go. An inquiry into the obligation of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathen. That was a pamphlet. That, that was the title. That, that was the, that we have pamphlets today that aren't the whole that. pamphlet isn't as long as the title was. Um, didn't make the New York Times bestseller list. Couldn't fit it on the on the thing. Uh, but um, those who did read it pretty much disagreed with him and said, in fact, his pastor. Say, what, what did you got the quote from his pastor? Well, just to show you the influence, there was a, a pastor by the name of John Gill, and some of you have probably uh, heard of him. Um, he was a pastoring in England, and this was back in England when there were many, many Baptist churches. They they estimate that there were. 30 to 50,000 Baptists in England alone at this time. And John Gill was um, we're one... Talking, we're talking the second half of the 1700s. Right. 
Yep. Well, so, John Gill was in the, the first half and into the, into the second half, but he was, he took this Calvinism thing, as Mark mentioned, um, to the point that he would preach about the judgment of God, the condemnation, and, but he never would invite sinners to receive Christ as Savior. And he started with a large church and, and he pastored it nearly 50 years and it just dwindled down to nothing. But one of the men that came under his influence was the, a man by the name of John Ryland. And he was directly related um, in association with William Carey. And at an association meeting that William Carey came and, and basically poured his heart out of what was in that pamphlet that we need to send missionaries and, and we need to carry the gospel to the heathen, um, John Ryland stood up and said, uh, William Carey, he said, young man, sit down. When God intends to convert the heathen, he will do it without your help or mine. And here this this burning passion in William Carey, it was just like cold water was dumped all over it because of this false doctrine that, by the way, is really um, still real prevalent in our day today. And is making a comeback in Baptist churches. Right. I mean, there, the, that is not a philosophy that is unique to the mainline denominations. That is, there are Baptists who buy that today. So, kind of in light of what, you know, William Carey could have been thinking, did God tell me to do this? Or these obstacles, you know, that he's running into. But thankfully, he knew it was God that told him. But And, and Ryland, this pastor, was one of the most respected pastors in the, in the area. I mean, we're talking... You know, you go to this meeting and and one of the, you know, one of the men that you really are looking up to, you know, you've just poured your, your heart out and, and he stands up and says, young man, sit down. You know, that's got to take the wind out of your sails. I mean, Thankfully, years later, uh, this John Ryland um, had a change of heart understood and um, was very supportive of missions. So that's a good end of the story there. The um, <clears throat> Carrie, a year, a year later, though, a number of the pastors in the area formed <coughs> the Baptist Missionary Society of, in England for the propagation of the gospel to the heathen. <laughs> Again, a great name. Uh, Probably why there are so many acronyms. The when you have a name like that, though, you don't need a mission statement. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, so he he gets appointed to go to uh, India in 1793, and he and a uh, and a doctor, Dr. Thomas, uh, John Thomas, Dr. Thomas, uh, end up. Um, Deciding to, that, that that they're going to go to India, they get they get on the ship and the captain tells them, "No, we're not going to take you," because the 
the East India Company, which was a, a British chartered you know, company, uh, says that if we take you, they will no longer do any business with us. And they didn't want, the English did, did not want missionaries to India. The British controlled India, and when I say India, I mean the entire Indian subcontinent, what's today Bangladesh and Pakistan, Nepal, um, um, Bhutan and Sri Lanka, all that was considered India and was, was controlled by the British. And frankly, the British just did not want missionaries there. They didn't want, they, they liked having the people under their thumb. And they, the, the British were not supportive at all. So they had to wait and wait and wait and, and, and finally went separately. And, and Kerry and his wife went first. And again, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about these things that come along. Carrie's wife was, um, she went insane. She, she lost several children on the mission field. And um, she literally went insane in India. And, you know, you, again, we see things. If we had missionaries who came home uh, on furlough, which, of course, these guys never did, but they came home from furlough and the, and the wife was suffering from depression, clinical depression. Now, we'd say, you need to stay home. You know, you've got to take care of your family first. They, they didn't have that attitude. They didn't have, you know, no, she, she you know, that was just part of life and, and part of, uh, of, uh, of, of a burden that they had to bear at that time. It wasn't, they didn't, they didn't consider it. Anyway, he, did, he gets the gets to India, and he is not welcome. The British do not welcome him at all. He ends up uh, moving to, there was a small part of India that, that um, wasn't under the administration of the English, but was under the administration of the Danes of Denmark. And he moved there, and, um, and they, you know, they, the Danes as well, uh, said, uh, we don't really have a whole lot of use for a missionary, but we uh, can always use good shoemakers. And uh, so he, he uh, provided for himself and his family by making shoes for a while. Then he went to work in an indico dye-making factory. And all the while, becoming an incredible ling- linguist and learning all the different... The, India has many, many different dialects. And he translated um, the whole Bible into several of the, of the main Indian languages, including uh, Sanskrit and uh, Hindi and uh, Bengali, and, in, and the book of John into, I think, over 80 different Indian languages. This caught the ear and the eye of the, of the government in Denmark and said, you know, we want this guy. Uh, we, we really want to have more going with this guy. And so uh, he became one of the one of the government's linguists, and they were just tickled to death that uh, what he was doing was was translating uh, specifically the Bible into these languages, and, and got a lot of support from the Danes. Um, during this time, we did have the we did have um, the English. This, this society back in England sending him some support, 
but not much. Um, today, you know, you, you've noticed when we've had missionaries in, the mission boards, well, they need to have this much in support. And it's usually a fairly hefty sum. Uh, they didn't have, they were, they were very minimal. And usually when they got to the, to the field, they had to come up with ways of supporting themselves. Um, very few missionaries, early missionaries were, were uh, supported completely at home. They, most of them were, were bivocational and working other jobs, and that was certainly true of, of Carrie. Um, interestingly enough, and, and Pastor and I argue about this, maybe not argue, but we discuss this, about some missionaries that are in places that don't seem to be responding. And, you know, say, boy, you know, they've been there a long time and they're really not seeing a lot of, of you know, results. Um, it, took, it took five years for Kerry to get his first convert. And that was his son. Uh, <laughs> um, and people would probably say, well, you know, he probably could have done that back in England. Um, <laughs> it took eight years to get his first convert of a native Indian. Eight years to get one. And that's, I think, a pretty phenomenal number there. I mean, again, if I'm him, I'm thinking that the words of, of Ryland is going through my head of when, when God wants these people to be converted, they'll be converted and it won't be you that gets them. And after about seven years and ten months, I'd be saying, you know what, maybe he was right. Because I'm here working when your wife is your wife's crazy, you got kids dying, and you're doing all this stuff, and nobody's coming to the Lord. But but he hangs in there. Um, eventually, uh, a couple other uh, missionaries come along to help him: William Ward and Joshua Marshman, and the three of them um, in the city of. Sarampore, I wanted to say that right, uh, found Sarampore College uh, that I was doing some reading on it today is still a important educational institution in India. And, you know, one of the original Baptist universities in, in the United States is Brown University. It's one of the Ivy League schools. And if you look up on their website, they will grudgingly admit that they were founded by the Baptists and that... They have this Baptist heritage, but have long left it behind and don't want to, you know, please don't feel bad if you're not. In fact, if you're not anything, you're welcome here. And in fact, we encourage you to be here and and really Baptists need not apply to to be a professor here or anything. Um, not true of Sarampore College. It is still a very distinctly um, Christian University and Baptist University, and quite affordable, I might add. Um, looked, had to do the, the translation on the rupees thing, about 200 bucks a month uh, for everything. Willie may be going there. Uh, <laughs> may all be all we have left in the, his college fund after the <laughs> stock market. The, uh, uh, but uh, so anyway, uh, that became that became quite important. He also, eventually, the English take over all this area, but they're too well, um, Kerry and his people are too well entrenched. They uh, have a great mission. They've got the, they've got the college. Um, Kerry is, is renowned throughout India 
as this incredible linguist, as an incredible evangelist. People are coming to know the Lord. Um, and, and in fact, um, in fact, he's, he's asked to become, you know, like the, the linguist for, for the British as well. And they all, he also becomes a social activist. And when I say that, I, I could feel some of your stomachs going, you know, like this. But like, for instance, one of the, one of the main traditions in, in India in those days was that when a man died, they burned his body. They had a funeral pyre where they'd have a huge pile of, of, of uh, wood and they'd burn his body. They would burn his wife with him, whether she was dead or not. I mean, he, it, it, was, it, it was called uh, sati, I think is what it was called, S-A-T-I. And um, he, he did huge amounts to, and he was the one who got that changed. And he had to work it through the British, and, and the British had to put pressure on. But then the, the, local, um, the local Indian governors, he, he was the one that got that changed. And, and got that. another one was that when a child was orphaned or when a child was born with a disability, uh, but, but, but even a fun, an all right child that was... Um, as a baby, orphaned, um, they would they would put him in a gunny sack and tie him in a tree and just leave him. Um, and William Carey was the one who got that changed. You know, and, and these type of incredible evils that we we can't even imagine today. I, I say that we rip babies out of the womb, um, but. Um, it was Kerry who, who got those type things changed. Throughout history, anywhere Christianity goes, it builds society. And anywhere there's paganism, it's a, it's a belief system of death. And, you know, if, if feminists were real, they'd be supporting Christianity because anywhere... Anywhere Christianity is gone, it has elevated the position of women. And it's elevated life. And our nation is becoming more pagan, and you can see, see what we're doing. Uh, two statements that William Carey really became identified with. One is, expect great things from God, expect, attempt, attempt great things for God. And it really, it really, you can see where that was born out of. You know, there's God's responsibility, but there's man's responsibility. And in light of the hyper-Calvinism, well, it's all up to God. No, you, you expect great things from God, but you attempt great things for God. There is the, the human responsibility that we have. And then you may have heard um, missionaries refer to, well, we appreciate you holding the ropes. And you may say, holding the ropes. Uh, William Carey, when it came down to it, he said, I am willing to go to India. I'm willing to go down into the dark of India 
if you promise, and he went man to man, if you promise to hold the ropes. And Andrew Fuller was Andrew a man Fuller. that uh, really took that promise personal. He traveled throughout England um, num numerous <laughs> times, visited Scotland, supporting missions, raising the awareness of missions, raising support for the missionaries that were there. And, um, and Kerry was forever grateful to Andrew Fuller for this. But those two statements, um, they all go back to William Carey. And, you know, Mark mentioned he translated the whole Bible into these various... I mean, if we said to you, we want you to work on just typing the whole Bible, you'd say, give me a break, you know. But translating one book, let alone the whole Bible, and God tremendously prepared him and gifted him for this ministry that even yet lives on the Word of God there. And one, one other thing is while he, was, while he was plodding along in India uh, doing these things along with, with Ward and, and Marshman and, and Thomas, um, there was a war in England not a little little war, but um, uh, in the press about missions and how stupid it was for Englishmen to be sending people to other countries and how arrogant it was that Christians should think they should jam this stuff down people's throats and how, you know, just, and they were, there was one newspaper uh, called the Quarterly that, that, that held up the mission side of things, but the other side of it, all of the newspapers in England were against William Carey and against Andrew Fuller and against sending missions. And there was a, and they, they carried, it's just like the, I mean, it's just like the Des Moines Register, seriously. How much influence does, Des Moines, does the Des Moines Register have in our state? How much in, uh, influence does the Omaha you know, World Herald have? How much does the Kansas City Star have? Um, newspapers have, have a huge influence and isn't it amazing how many of them are controlled by Satan I mean they just are and that's I didn't plan to go in that direction you know we live in a time though is, is, this is interesting to me that, that Carrie said you know Nobody's doing it this way. Therefore, I ought to do it this way. I need to attempt great things for God. And his world was so incredibly different from our world. Um, and, and I often wonder, how would William Carey look at missions today and say, how do we need to be doing it now? How does it, how does it need to change? How, um, you know, what, what do you think? Josh, have you got that? that uh, this video's got nothing to do with missions, but it's got to do with our changing world. And, and I want you to think as you get this information, this, this, these little bits of information, how has our world changed from the way that Carrie was? And how are we to respond? How are we to, to respond? It? Yes. Go ahead, maybe. Is it going to work? It's going to work. No way.
It is silent, so you have to do the reading. The internet. <laughs> uh, the, the most of this stuff it was the statistics are. Um, I, no, I haven't looked up every single thing on that. Um, but the po- the point is that the world is changing, huge, and. Uh, my challenge is to be like William Carey and say, how are, we gonna, how, how are we going to do things to reach the world for Christ? The world is not the same as it was five years ago. It's certainly not the same as it was 200 years ago. And you know, that the mantra of the, of the ignorant is things have always been as they are today, and things will always be as they are today. Um, and we need to... It's, it's, okay, it's okay to struggle with some of these things and say, I don't know if this is good. But we also have to deal with these things. And we have to, when we can, use these things. Close? Yep. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time.